How we doing traders? Welcome to another Stock Market Movers. I'm excited to get into today's show. We're going to talk about a stock that popped over 90% in the pre-market, has continued. We'll take a look today at Plus Therapeutic, and we'll also get into an interview with Brian Overby, Senior Options Analyst at Ally Financials. I'm excited to jump into today's show. We got some options talk a big mover, and let's get into the topics of today. We're going to have initial jobless claims. We'll cover Philadelphia Fed Manufacturing Index. Will Ryan Cohen sell out of Triple BY? Oil back up. Cisco, Cole, BJ, Canadian Solar, Apple, a sell on fast money. We'll see if they got it right or wrong right here on Stock Market Movers, where we cover all the headlines and get to the expert opinions that you guys need to stay in the informational edge. Welcome to it, the best show on Wall Street. Let's get to it, Stock Market Movers, with your host, Money Mitch. There are three ways to make a living in this business. Be first, be smarter, or cheat. I can't help you cheat but I can give you the informational edge to help you succeed in the markets. Welcome to Stock Market Movers. All the market moving headlines and expert opinions every day. They say money is the oxygen of capitalism and I wanna breathe more than any man alive. All right, welcome to it, Stock Market Movers. Hit the thumbs on up if you guys like that intro. My man, Michael Feehan, working hard on that. Shout out to him. So let's continue into today's show. We'll get into it. First up, we'll talk about the initial jobless claims. Let's get into that. Now, of course, this was a little bit of something that was expected, but it, really we got an unexpected number from that Philadelphia Fed Manufacturing Index but let's talk a little bit first about the jobless claims, right? Jobless claims totaling here to uh, 250,000 for the week ending in August 13, down about 2,000 from the prior week's reading. Um, and then also below the 265,000 estimate. So below that, the jobless claims not going as high, continuing to show what? That the jobs market is strong and i think that's what's leaving room for the fed to come in in september and really continue to hike rates up that's why i feel we're still having 75 basis points in september and it could continue into the next year i know a lot of people think that the fed is going to turn dovish that's one thing that we need to do, keep on watch but if inflation can stay sticky and a lot of that stickiness probably coming from the housing market well, then I think the Fed definitely has room to continue raising those rates as they see what a strong labor market. So until that labor market really shows weakening, I think they're going to continue to try to hit inflation, moving it down towards that 2%. Now, I got comments here from Chris uh, Zaccarini, Chief Investment Officer at Independent Investor Alliance. He said, unfortunately, what's good for the American worker is bad for the Fed's attempt to be uh, bringing inflation back down towards that 2%. This will complicate their job and cause them to raise rates higher for the long, uh, longer than many people currently expect. And so this was given by Chris. I think this is an important comment here. And I think it's something to keep on watch how the Fed reacts. We also got the Philadelphia Fed Manufacturing Index. It came in here at 6.2, and it was actually, that's an increase. It was expected to be a decrease of negative five. And if you guys take a look, negative means we're kind of retracing, you know, getting those fears of a major shutdown or slowdown here in manufacturing. And it turned around on us, gave us a 6.2 reading. Of course, it's coming after the prior reading of negative 12.3. And so this is the important part here. It went from a negative 12.3 to a positive 6.2, completely flipping around those uncertainty concerns for the fear of manufacturing. So now you guys are seeing that actually helped the situation there, showing a little bit of strength something that we all need to keep on watch. Let's take a look at the overall market, see how we're moving right now. Let's take a look at the SPY here. It's trying to move on up. 
It did get a little bit of a push there into the 428s. Now went right back down towards those lows around 425. What am I watching here? Well, a big thing is watching those daily levels, right? Right now, you can see it's just staying within the range, creating almost a new range sideways here. That's why I was going to see if we were going to break Monday's low, which was at 424.71. Sometimes you just got to keep it simple as that. Where we're going to break the next low to the left. Same thing that we were watching yesterday where we're going to break Tuesday's low. We broke Tuesday's low. Now we're heading to Monday's low. We just bounced off of it. Now let's see if we eventually end up really taking out those 424s there. That's the next step down. Let's take a quick look at the Qs. Qs coming back there also. Same thing that I'm watching, except it's Friday's level. It's that low here at 325.10. You can see today, let's go towards the 15-minute chart. And we came down here towards the 326.75. Let's see if we break that 325.97 and start heading down towards the 323s. Of course, we'll take a look at what was hot and what was not in a second here, but I just wanted to take a quick dive into the overall market, see what we were seeing out there. I did really good in my trading today on live trading, um, went three for four with some really good trades. We'll talk a little bit about that coming on up with some of the what was hot and what was not segment. Now, next up, let's go into a topic that a lot of people wanted to talk about, right? I mean, this morning it was the hot topic was on triple BY and what would happen to that stock. Will it take the next step up here? That's what we're all looking at. Of course, I traded this stock back on Friday uh, the 12th and we're already, you know, way further up from those levels. Those were when I was trading it through the 1080. It got all the way up as high as $30 yesterday, back down to the 18s now. And you can take a look here on the 15 minute. We just came down all morning long here, even though it was already coming down here. And why was this coming out? It was a lot on the question, did Ryan Cohen sell? That was the question that was being thrown around out there. And a lot of this coming on, of course, according to a form 144 that filed with the SEC that said that RC Ventures intends to sell 9.45 million shares of the company or could sell 9.45 shares of the company. And of course, they have an aggregated purchase price of 7.78 million shares directly owned by RC Ventures. That's roughly about $119.4 million. Of course, uh, one thing that we need to keep on watch also is the options that are out there. Ryan Cohen has options exercisable for 1.67 million shares, which is about $1.8 million. Of course, this is something to keep on watch because it could increase up to that 9.45 million shares. Of course, just the stocks itself is at 7.78. So we need to keep on watch what happens here, right? And why did he need to re report this in the first place? Well, a form 144 is all about the right to sell. It doesn't mean that you have sold or are intending really to sell. It just means that now you have that right. You need to go ahead and alert investors out there that you could be selling. Of course, this is when you have when you own more than 10% of a company, you're going to need to be putting out this file. Now, one thing to keep in mind, right? He could have sold already, gotten his exposure down below that 10% level. And from that level, below that 10%, he doesn't really need to let us know. It would come out probably in the in the 13 Fs, which would be 45, it could be 45 days after he sold. So just keep this in mind. I'm not saying that Ryan Cohen's selling. I'm just trying to paint the picture for us of really the situation so that you guys understand what's going on and triple B why and why Wall Street Bets is saying, no, no, no. Ryan Cohen does not have paper hands. He has what? He has those diamond hands. That's what they're saying out there on Wall Street Bets right now. They're saying that Ryan Cohen isn't selling. And just because he put out that form, well, you know what the Wall Street Bets believes in. We'll see what happens. Does he catch on to one of these diamonds or does he start turning into a little bit of a paper hand? I think that's one thing that you keep on watch to see what happens in the Ryan Cohen and Triple B-Y situation. All right, let's get out of the Ryan Cohen talk. Let's keep going. Let's go into my favorite sec uh, segment of the day, which is one, of course, we look at what was hot 
and what was not. Let's take a look at that. Um, in a few minutes, we'll be getting into our first interview. That's going to be with Brian Overby, Senior Options Analyst at Ally Financial. Excited to get into some options topics. If you have any options strategy that you guys like trading, please throw it up in the options, uh, throw it up in the chat, and I'm going to go ahead and make sure that we ask our options experts that's coming on next. Uh, let's go ahead. Let's get into what was hot and what was not today. Going to really quickly try to run through here. Take a look at energy. Energy really taking another step up here. Of course, I was watching this move. If you guys were watching live trading, you guys know I've been keeping my eye on oil to see if we were going to get that step up. The stock that I was looking at was XOM, Exxon Mobil. Were we going to get that step up to the 94, get through that resistance and close towards the 95? That's what I was watching for today on Exxon Mobil. And I nailed this out the gates, full disclosure, out completely of the trade. But right out the gates, I got in there at that 9440s, eventually selling up through the 94s and then riding it up there right before that 95 to sell on out there at the 9490 area. It was a really nice trade there on XOM, just kind of day trade mentality, nailing it out the gates. Now what I will be looking for it for it to get a nice rise into the close, close above 95. And definitely the chart's going to be looking better here as we get out of this kind of this sideways consolidation and we start coming back towards these highs. We start going back to 95.31 and back here towards 97.51. We all know if we can get back into this gap zone and right above it here, this is the gap zone that I will be looking for us to get into maybe in the next two to three weeks. It could even be in next week. So we'll see if we can get back up there in XOM. And UNG was making some quick swings today. So just be careful out there. Natural gas saw a lot of movement. Technology also strong today, bouncing back a little bit, 0.36 from the open. And you can see here, leadership at least not doing too bad. NVIDIA coming back today, trying to hold up here, even though you're seeing the SPY come right back down to those lows, right? So keep your eyes on the queues today. Can the queues hold the VWAP or will they come crashing right back down towards those lows that we saw around 10 a.m. and take out, of course, the 326.79, the low of the day. We'll see what happens. Technology right now hanging on. And a lot of that on the leadership, at least hanging on here. Amazon was bullish today. I saw Apple go into the green for a little bit there. Wanted to take out that 174.50. We'll see if it takes out that level there. All right, let's get out of what was hot and what was not I'll talk a little bit about what was not hot coming up after our interview. Want to go ahead and dive on into it here. We're going to go ahead and go towards Brian Overby. He's the option strategist expert at Ally Financial. I'm going to play a quick trailer and then we'll go into our first interview. Introducing portfolio synchronization with your brokerage. Now you can securely connect your brokerage account to Benzinga Pro, opening a world of personalization. Screen lightning fast news just for the stocks you own. Set alerts for news catalysts that affect only the companies you care about. It's all possible with a simple click and a secure protective connection. Overcome uncertainty and connect your portfolio to Benzinga Pro today. All right, we're going to go ahead and bring on Brian here. Now's our time to go into our expert interviews. I try to do this on a daily basis, at least go to one expert to kind of keep us in the informational edge, right? Like always, that's one of the things that we need to do as retail traders. Just try to stay up with the information so that we can at least have an edge there. Let's dive into our first guest interview. All right, Brian Overby, Senior Options Analyst at Ally Financial. Welcome back, Brian. Oh, it's great to be back. Uh, excited to talk about the markets. We've had some nice run up and I, I loved your little conversation about energy. Um, so yeah, let's jump right into it. Let's jump right into it. There's a lot to talk about. Of course, I'll leave a little bit of time at the end. So maybe we can just do uh, a, a moment where I'll ask you, Brian, what do you see out there? What's on your mind? Let's go into the first thing I wanted to talk about. I did catch the recent podcast. And if you guys don't haven't or 
haven't ever listened to the podcast, check it out. It's the Options Playbook Radio. I caught the 425th episode. Is that was is, is that what that's right? 425? Yeah, 425. We had a big Ooh. extravaganza for the 400. That's what I like to hear. And now you talked about taking a chance on bottom fishing in FCX. I did see copper up today. Talk to us a little bit about FCX and what you were looking at during this kind of uh, option playbook. All right. It starts with a little bit of a disclaimer. Whenever we're on the podcast, you know, we don't, we haven't done our due diligence. So nothing's necessarily meant to be a recommendation. But what we try to address are strategies that fit the current market conditions. So at this point in time, you know, we've had a solid run up recently. So a lot of my themes on my podcasts and on my YouTube, on the LA YouTube channel have been bottom fishing. How do you use options to try to target a buy price in a stock that you wouldn't mind owning? And the big thing about FCX is it's really an EV play. Uh, obviously, Tesla, who knows what that valuation is in Tesla? Tesla has done well, but it you know, it's riding a lot on the fact that uh, the world thinks we need Tesla. And so the stock is trading at a premium. Uh, in order to make those batteries, you need copper. And right now there's been a slowdown in a lot of the EVs, mainly because the, uh, the world economy wants the economy to slow down. So that's kind of happening. Um, but uh, FCX has really been beaten up. It's trading down around 10 times earnings and they, they mine copper. So it's a copper play in that I'm going to sell a put a little bit below where the current market is at. And you're getting a lot of premium in, in this underlying stock. Trades at about a 50% implied volatility. That means that when you sell it, you're going to get more than if you were going to sell an option contract like in Apple, for say. You're going to get a higher implied volatility, a higher premium. So we're just targeting a buy price uh, down below where the current market is trading. No anticipation for this stock to really bounce in, in the short term. But over the next couple of years, that would be the, the intention. So it's literally using options to try to target a buy price below where the current market is. And if the stock just stays where it's at or it goes up, well, in that instance, we at least get to keep the premium. And it's a pretty solid amount of premium. I think we sold the 71 strike put, and that was trading for around $1.70 uh, <clears throat> at the time. And uh, F FX... Well, no, that was that's the USO. I'm sorry, F FCX. Uh, let me. It was a couple of points below where it's at. Now I think it's up a little bit today. Let me just grab a quote real quick. Like so, it's 31. So we targeted the 29 strike going out to September 9th. Was it was uh, the expiration date? Right now, it's 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 up at, at the moment. It was trading for over a dollar. I think it was around a dollar ten. And now I'm trying to preference this, uh, trying to remember exactly uh, where it was at. I talk about a lot of strategies over the <laughs> week, uh, but I think it was around a dollar ten. And right now I see it trading for about 63 cents. So the market has already made a little bit of a rally to the upside. You've had a little bit of time decay that has came in. Uh, ideally, we'd like the market to come down. We'd like it to get down to the 29 level um, because our goal with a cash secured put is to say, if you come down to 29, you can put the stock to me and we'll buy 100 shares of it, spending $2,900 plus any fees to get into the trade. I like that. I like that strategy there, Brian, and gives you an ability to let the price almost work towards you, right? And, right, and, right. And, and, and I had USO up, uh, Mitch, mainly because uh, I was actually, because you were talking about energy, and this week in uh, the stock play of the day, which is over on the Ally YouTube channel, uh, we actually did a, a fairly advanced trade that I, I don't talk about that often, it, but it's the same concept. We sold a put to say we'll buy the stock at a lower price, but then we took the proceeds from the put and said we're going to buy a, I, maybe it was three-point wide, long call spread that's out of the money. So that's a speculative trade on its own. But we're saying with oil, if it does come down, if oil were to come down towards the $80 a barrel range, we wouldn't mind buying it and looking for a little bit of a pop. But in the short term, oil's been beaten up. Let's see if we can get a little bit of a dead cap bounce. So it's a strategy where you don't come out with uh, out of pocket. You don't pay a debit for this trade like, like you normally would if you just did a long call spread. 
And if you're saying that, well, then uh, if it comes down, well, we just got to be prepared to buy the stock. And that's the one that I was talking about where we sold the 71 straight put on it. Um, and so far that trade is, and, and ideally in this scenario, I want the stock to go up because I have that long call spread uh, that's working for me. I'm just saying I wouldn't mind buying some at a lower price in the short term. So I think we also did the September 9th expiration, 22 days away in that one also. All right. Now, one strategy that I've seen you mention recently is a short put spread, uh, short put spread, right? right. And I'm going to go ahead and I'll pull up this for you guys out there. I want, I'm going to give you guys the link so you guys oh, awesome. can definitely there, stay up with there's it. There's my book. I got you, of course, mm -hmm. the option playbook here. I got it already ready for us. Let's put, I'm going to throw it up here in the comments so you guys can follow along and check out some of these strategies. Tell us a little bit about this. How would we go about it and what's a setup we could use? Okay, so now, uh, honestly, like in the USO, you could have sold the short put spread as opposed to just selling the cash secured put. That would be an adjustment <clears throat> to the strategy that we were looking at uh, on the stock play of the day. But what a short put spread is, is you're selling that put, taking on the obligation to buy the stock at that strike price. Like in our instance with USO, the uh, ETF that tracks the price of oil, oil futures. Uh, if I say I'm willing to buy it at 71, well, then if the stock comes down, they can put it to me at that price. But now I'm nervous. I'm saying, okay, I don't mind buying it at 71. But oil is, in a, rightfully so, it, it is a, a nervous thing to be in considering the geopolitical concerns that are going on. And with that said, if it goes below 71, I'm going to buy another put, spend a little bit of that premium that I brought in and give myself some protection. So if we sold the 71 strike put, we might go out and buy the 69 or 68 strike put at a lower price limiting our downside risk. You still have the same obligation. You're still saying I'm willing to buy the stock at that price, but you're saying if it goes, let's say below 68, I'm tapping out. I'm not taking any more losses. Now, obviously that's always about trade-offs. If I sell the put outright, I bring in more cash. I have more premium. If I do the put spread, I have less risk, but I receive less cash for putting on that strategy compared to a cash secured put. I like it. It gives us definitely a way to define the risk there. A lot of times we want to, as traders, at least define a risk versus just opening up to unlimited risk. It's a good way to go about it there. I appreciate that uh, strategy breakdown and definitely recommend you guys to look Look how much you got here. So it, let me just give you a little bit of example too, Mitch, in that, uh, yeah, you know, I did that. That strategy was in Coinbase, I, I think. I'm pretty sure. Like once again, yep, I, I, I do, do think that's a lot of different scenarios. Mm -hmm. um, but the, now I'm in Coinbase. I'm a lot more nervous about Coinbase, right? It's just a much more volatile stock. And uh, Coinbase had some good news. It had a decent run up. And because of that, you're saying, well, I'm going to sell something. If the stock just stays where it's at or drifts higher, I'm going to collect a lot of premium. And Coinbase is probably trading at, uh, I'm going to guess, like an 80% implied volatility. So you're getting a lot of premium, even more premium uh, than in FCX. So that's why in Coinbase, I think it's more appropriate to do a short put spread as opposed to being in the USO and just selling a put on a stock that you wouldn't mind buying at a lower price. See, Definitely. I think it's important to, to, because a lot of people will ask me, what's the best option strategy? And I don't think there's any best option strategy. You got to tell me the underlying that you're in. And that's the theme of uh, my podcast, Options Playbook Radio, is that we're going to talk about this underlying. And to go with this underlying, this strategy makes sense because of the way the options are priced on that underlying. Yeah. And I think one of the best things there is having some tools, right? You need tools in the tool belt. It can't just be one tool. Right. I mean, uh, we, we learned it from early on. We can't put the square inside the circle. Trust me. I tried. It didn't work out, Brian. Uh, now, Great <laughs> yeah, it's the truth. It's, it's how it is, right? Let's take a look here. Jesse, I agree in the chat. We need more, Brian. We always need more, Brian. Let's go into here. Now, one thing uh, before we get into just opportunities that you see out here lately, we just got a stock recently that blew through the top. 
you know, triple B Y um, exploding through the moon. Now I want to talk about one of the ways, let's say if for some reason you catch yourself long equity wise on a position like this, and it's all of a sudden just going through the room, uh, going through the moon. How can you play maybe some options here to kind of, you know, secure some of those profits, lock them in? Yeah. Uh, well, I hope you did it yesterday because, you know, obviously the stock is getting beaten up today. And there just there was a lot of background behind that in the options marketplace with uh, uh, Mike Cohen and, and the trades that he put on. I think I have that name right. Ryan um, Cohen. I got you, though. No worries. Yeah. What is it? What is it called? Ryan. Ryan. Ryan Cohen. There you go. I knew I knew something was wrong with that. But <laughs> no yeah, um, they bought. He actually created the short squeeze in the scenario by buying way out of the money calls. Um, and it, it it forced a lot of the market makers because he bought so much of them to actually trade the stock and get long, which created that short squeeze. So it was a real interesting trade just in general as far as option trading is concerned. Uh, I don't think he ever thought that by January the stock was going to be at 80. He was buying the 70, uh, 70, I think 65, 70 and 80 strike calls. And you can yeah. actually look at the open interest in them. And you can see how much open interest there are. There's a ton of volume that has happened in them. And by doing that, though, then he forced market makers to take the other side of the trade and hedge that position. And that helped create the short squeeze. It's part of the reason why it ran up so much. Um, but what can I do to try to protect it if I have some gains? Uh, the, the only thing you can really do in this underlying, because implied volatility, and I just pulled up a chain, I'm going out 22 days, that same September 9th expiration. Uh, we're looking at a 300% implied volatility. Um, and so you're so that's implying that the stock could actually in a year's point, not, not in the short term, but that the stock could go up uh, 300 times where it's at. So it could be trading for 60 or 70. That's what implied volatility is doing in the short term, but that's always on an annualized basis. So with that said, um, <clears throat> What I would want to do, and if you still have the options playbook up, instead yeah. of buying a put outright, I would look at buying a long put spread because I have to sell something because there's too much premium to just buy it. And I would protect myself in the range. Like right now, it's at 18. I think when the rally started, it was around 15. Mitch, is that right? Correct. It was, well, when it first started, it was, I mean, I would say... 1080s where it really started kicking okay. off. Um, so but it did do a um, pop from about $6 to $12, then went sideways for a little bit there. Then we got that real breakout. Okay. So let's look at, and, and you know, I'd be nervous in the short term. I wouldn't even go out 22 days. So I'm going to pull up September 2nd option chain on the Ally Invest chains here. And I'm just going to look at, at something that you, you could do. And that this is what the podcast and everything is about. So if right now the stock is trading at 18, if you want the most expensive insurance, right? Very small deductible. You would look at buying that 18 strike call or 18 strike put. So that's trading for $5. That's how much the stock is down today. And so you kind of say to yourself, well, heck, I'll, I'll sell it for when it goes down another five, as opposed to buying this, right? It's just too expensive. So I would, if I were going to protect a hundred shares of stock, I would look at buying that 18 strike put and then going down and let's see, we could sell the 15 strike put for 280. That's not too bad. 14 strike is too. All right, let's say 14. Okay, so I'm going to protect myself, but it's going to be limited insurance. It's going to be from 18 to 14. Basically, the move that it made today. We're going to have 15 days of life in our protection. Our insurance policy is 15 days long. This is a bull, or I'm sorry, a bear put spread. It's a put debit spread. So we're going to lower the cost instead of buying the protection that goes with all the way down to zero on BBBY. Um, we're going to buy a, uh, a range of protection that's going to be four points from 18 down to 14. And my price in this instant goes from well, the ask on the 18 put right now, because markets are moving, is $4.75. The 14 put is trading for, we'll say, around $2.20. So I go from paying $5 for my insurance 
to paying somewhere around $2.40. So I cut my insurance in half, but I have limited protection from 18 to 14. That's still an expensive insurance policy, but rightfully so. <laughs> you know, when no, you think about it. I so, think that's that's an awesome way to go about it. Now, I think you're already alluding to this. What are some of the warning signs, and you're alluding to some of these, that happens to option pricing when stocks got like this go to the moon? Well, yeah, one of the biggest things, uh, when, the, when the stock goes to the moon here, it, it's all about supply and demand. Uh, pricing models don't really work. Uh, you can say, oh, the market makers are jacking up the implied volatility. No, they, they just want you to get, they want you to stop buying it. So they keep raising the price higher and higher and higher. And that translates into higher implied volatility, which translates into the potential move like we were talking about. 300% implied volatility means the stock could triple by year end. That's basically what those at the money option contracts are saying to us. So with that said, uh, when that happens, uh, one thing that usually happens is that you'll get wider bid-ask spreads. It's a little bit harder to try to do a trade like the uh, bear put spread and fill closer to the midpoint, closer to where the you know the the uh, the balance in the marketplace is. Like uh, in this instance on that long put spread, because I still have the quote up, we have we're paying two dollars and fifty three cents if we paid the ask. We would be selling and we would get two dollars and twenty eight cents. So let's call it a twenty five cent difference between the bid ask the the price that i quoted was somewhere close to the mid which was two dollars and forty cents that's a lot harder to get a midpoint fill which is common in spreads in marketplaces never a guarantee but it's much harder to fill closer uh, with a limit order closer to the 240 when you have extreme volatility like you're seeing in bbby three b's Interesting there. Tri like I say, triple B Y. I like it like that. like that. That's a good way to say it. Yeah. I've been struggling yeah. with it the whole show. Oh, so I know how it is, Brian. Trust me. I struggle with that one all the time. So uh, let's go ahead. Let's keep looking out there now. I just want to go ahead and give you a chance to have the floor. What do you see opportunities out there? Is there any area that you're watching for opportunities? Well, I kind of gave you my trade a little bit this week. It was ah. in the USO. And, you know, I also, in the NASDAQ, you know, it's interesting. Um, uh, pull, is it JPEQ? Does that come up? JPEQ. Uh, which is a, a new one that I've learned about. Ah, uh, JPEQ. No, that's not it. Okay, so it's a it's it's an ETF that actually tracks the Nasdaq and sells thirty day calls against it. Um, I, I wasn't planning on going down this road. I can't remember the symbol right off the the top of my head, but I find that to be a real interesting place to be because the Nasdaq has been leading the markets higher. We see Apple close to an all time high. So I want to still participate, fear of missing out, but I want a little bit of protection. So there's an ETF out there now that will actually buy the stocks in the NASDAQ and then sell shorter term calls against it, which that strategy inside the options playbook is just a covered call. And it's usually done on just one stock. You would do it like, for example, on Apple, buy Apple and sell a call against that position. And I don't mind selling calls against any position that I've had a fairly decent run up. And it's more so about the seasonality. We're coming into September and October. The market has definitely got a little bit frothy. Um, like a stock like Apple, like Google, who took forever after the split to go up. We talked about Google on the last show. It finally made that move to the upside. Or even a stock like Amazon. Uh, now the fact that they've gone through the splits, you can go on out and sell calls against that position, bring in a little bit of premium, but beware you're saying that I'm willing to sell my stock at a higher price. So I kind of, I've recently found out about this ETF that tracks the NASDAQ and sells the calls. And it just makes it simple to be able to uh, be in that space, which seems to be a protective space right now, as we're saying, it's leading the markets a little bit higher. But you know we're nervous right now, and that's where my, my outlook is. Uh, the VIXs came down below the 20 level. It, the, people are just feeling too good, considering that the Fed really wants 
inflation to go to 2%, and we're quite a ways away from it. So uh, that's my nervousness in the position. The one trade that I did do this week, which I, I kind of uh, foreshadowed already, was the USO. I think oil is an interesting place to be in. Longer term, I'm a little bit more nervous that the market may, you know, uh, around the 80 level, I expect to bounce, but you have the geo geopolitical concerns and Europe's going to have a tough time once winter hits, uh, uh, trying to heat all of Europe, right? And yeah. I don't know exactly what's going to happen in that stock, but I would like to have—I would like to own some of it in some way, shape, or form. I don't mind Exxon. Uh, that was the trade you were looking at. I just nope. chose to do the 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 the, uh, um, uh, the actual the closest thing that you can buy in the marketplace without buying the futures, which is the uh, USO. And yeah, then also you have uh, OXY, you know, Mr. Mm -hmm. Buffett's favorite. Yeah, you can't go wrong, right? Fighting Warren. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We sold a, a, a put spread in that. That was, it made a good run up Ooh. after uh, uh, Mr. Buffett came back out and talked about it. And that's just a good time. Nobody's looking at it anymore because the news is already there. Sell a put spread down around the 55 level. You see where that support is? Yeah. That's, yeah, that's so like interesting I think one. we're selling a, a 54, 52 or 54, 51 put spread. That is a once again, this this is this is why we talk about these strategies. I don't necessarily want to sell a short put spread in uh, maybe a different underlying, but you can see here if you believe there's some support around the 55 level, and that's actually where Warren Buffett first or the yeah. the, the tranche that he bought in June was around the 55 level. Yep. Yeah. And uh, yeah, if you go back to June, I think it's right there, right yeah. around where your shirts are. Yeah, um, he's been adding yeah. also in the 57 area. And I remember this recent drop there. I was like, is, is that what's going on here? Let's see that little U-turn there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, so do you see how that chart kind of supports uh, a, a short put spread saying that I, I really don't think it's going to break below 55. So let's sell like a 54, 52. I love it. I actually love it. I'm actually going to take a look at this myself, Brian. You're getting me back into the option game. That's one thing that I, I definitely need to get back into. Um, you know, I, I tried options very on in my early uh, kind of trading career. And then I went mm -hmm. back to equities just because it was working for me. But I love an outlook like this where you where you have an outlook, you know, especially a situation like this where you know Warren's in it. You know some certain levels that you can go off of. There's definitely some advantage here to play. Appreciate you always coming on, Brian Overby, uh, Senior Options Analyst at Ally Financial. If you guys haven't checked out the playbook, I mean, I, I think you guys are definitely missing out, especially the options traders. I see everyone in my chat loving it, and I definitely recommend to check it out if you're a new options trader, or maybe you just want to get into options like I do and get back into it. It's a great place to start. Thank you, Brian. Excellent. Thank you. Thanks so much. Of course, we'll have you back on. All right, that was our first analyst. And I think that was a, I, honestly, I, I could talk to Brian probably all show long, but let's go ahead. Let's get back into the markets. Let's take a look at what was not hot. And then coming up in a little bit, we will be getting into our interview with Plus Therapeutics president and CEO, Mark Hendrick. I'm excited to dive into that. And it, it's been an absolute big mover. Uh, let's see where it's at now. It, it got up above the dollar price point for a little while. Now retracing a little bit. We'll see if it can finally get another spike here. I'll show you guys that stock here. This is why uh, we'll be getting into the interview. We'll talk a little bit about what's coming up. But let's go ahead. Let's get back into what was hot and what was not. Let's get out of that. That's coming up at 145. Now, what was hot and what was not today? Well, we talked about what was hot, which was energy, technology, and utilities, which have been slowly just getting their way up. Another area that I was watching um, is, of course, basic materials and the utilities game. I've been watching regulated gas. I want to go ahead and point this out because some of these are already making the move. We've talked about these plenty of times here on Stock Market Movers that I've been watching some of these regulated gas going into winter, and I think they could make big moves on up. So look at this, right? This is just a uh, industry outlook. Look how much we've been pushing in the last 10.6 days. We had a nice little drive, a little pullback, now really starting to take that lift. 
Look at these stocks that I'll, I'll call out. So this one has been the biggest mover, NFE, New Fortress Energy. But you also got some other ones here that I like, CNP. This is one that I've been talking about for a while since this break of the trend line. And it's been holding the expansion pretty well. Now we'll look for a push through 33s. Another one that I've been looking at is NI. This is pulling back a little bit today, but has been strong in these last 10 days also. Keep your eyes on some of these. I'm not saying that you got to trade them like always. Make your own uh, decisions. But if we're going to get that big rip in UNG, that big push on through, well, I'm going to be watching some of these stocks to try to catch some of the utility players behind the regulated gas play. All right, let's go ahead. Let's continue. What was weak today? Yes, all dressed up. Let's go, Ethan. No, I like to dress up. I just, it's kind of weird to just dress up at your house, but. Hey, is what it is. Looking good. Let's keep going. Um, let's go towards healthcare. Now, this is something that I do want to put on your radar. I'm waving the red flag here. De -de -de -de. Red flag, red flag notion here. Um, you got to be careful in healthcare here now, team. Big thing I'm seeing is a quick rotation away from it. And if we take a look here, and we're going to take a look here at the sector outlook, look how this has been running here. Now for about, let's say here from the bottom, it's been about two months, two months up in a lot of these healthcare names. Now we're starting to crack. In the last three days, we just kind of pulled down, pulled down, not even getting into the, yes, the days prior range. That shows me relative weakness when we don't even get back into the range of the day of prior's uh, price action. And now we need to take a look what are the industries that are falling apart here? Well, one of the strongest one at the bottom of the day. So down about 1.63, this is biotech. Look how this has turned around. This was really strong and it looks very similar to the sector overall. So this is what's really dragging us down. What are some of these stocks that are down here? Well, a lot of these were these cheaper names that were making big moves on up, now starting to turn around. Um, you guys can see a lot of these kind of smaller names were getting some big lifts. Now they're just starting to crush. But let's take a look at some of the high cap names, and you're going to see where really the decline's coming from. Look at this Moderna turnaround. It was really strong. It was holding up here. We were looking for the breakout above 180. Now look what's happened in three days. It's actually broken through the price pattern, even to the left-hand side, and heading straight down almost. And you can take a look here. There's some other ones, BNTX going right back down there. Uh, you guys can see here, BIIB, uh, Biogen coming right back down. Some of these are just turning around and they're turning around fast. So we got to be careful there as these biotechs turn away. All right. Uh, when is PSTV uh, CEO coming on? Just next. We'll be getting into that in just a second here. Wrapping up on what was not hot in the intraday action a lot of the healthcare is turning around today. Communication services and real estate were also uh, some of the weakest sectors today. And a lot of the real estate weakness came from, of course, some housing numbers that were out there. Um, we got housing market concerns as previously owned homes fell 6% in July compared to June. And we're starting to really start seeing kind of that recession talk in at least the housing market and more concerns showing up in housing. Of course, what we need to keep on watch to see what happens here is what happens with the Fed. Do they come back and interest uh, hike those interest rates in September? That's definitely going to be on the radar. Let's go ahead. We're going to get on out of our what was not hot topic. We still got a lot of earnings to get through, but we got a better interview that's coming on up. We'll talk about some of those earnings plays coming on up. We've already talked about did Ryan Cohen sell. We talked to, right now um, a short while ago with Brian Overby and some options talk. Now we're going to get into Plus Therapeutics, President and CEO Mark Hendricks. Excited to dive into that. Before I do that, I'm going to go ahead and play a quick trailer. Then we'll get into our interview. I tell all my CEOs, this is a very, very, very important platform. And look, all the other platforms are important too, but you're up there now. You're way up there. 
best investments you can do in your future is actually go and 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 re-educate yourself on on credible sites and credible resources like uh, like Benzinga. You guys have been killing it. The comment section on this show is remarkable. Like like the quality of the combo and just big shout out to you and your community. So I love about you guys. You know, you just had the, all your coolers in right then. And it's all about the community here at Benzinga. All right, let's get into our second interview right here on Stock Market Movers. All right, let's bring on Mark here. Mark Hendricks, Plus Therapeutics President and CEO. Welcome to the show. Hey, good afternoon. Thanks for having me. Of course. Welcome to it. Now, uh, first things first, for those retail traders and maybe investors out there that don't know too much about Plus Therapeutics, tell us about your mission and what you guys do. Yeah, let me give you a a few bullet points. So first of all, Plus is focused on bringing something called targeted radiotherapeutics to patients that have some of the most deadly cancers on the planet. I mean, these are the worst of the worst that have some of the worst outcomes. And our lead drug, just to kind of give you a brief overview, is intended to treat three kinds of really bad brain cancers and neurologic cancers. The first, the first target or indication that we're going after is for patients with a brain cancer called glioblastoma. And that trial is completed. It's phase one. It's going to phase two. Appears to be quite safe and potentially effective. And in the phase one, we showed that we could extend the lifespan or overall survival by about two years, which is, if that bears out in later trials, that's fantastic. And the trial is almost fully funded by the US NIH. The second uh, cancer that we're going after is something called leptomeningeal cancer, which is uh, much more common on the upswing. And you may have seen the news this week that the state of Texas has authorized uh, almost an $18 million grant to fund that clinical program in leptomeningeal cancer up through phase two, which is huge news for us. So we don't have to go out and raise that capital in the market. So our two lead programs are funded by one, the NIH, one, the state of Texas, and then finally pediatric brain cancer is planned on starting starting next year. Excellent. Now let's talk a little bit about what we got today, right? Awarded a 17.6 million production uh, product development research grant by the Cancer Prevention and Research Institute of Texas. Talk about this grant. Why is it important for the company and what are the next steps here? Yeah. So first, a little bit about CPRIT. You you said what it stands for, Cancer Prevention Research Institute of Texas. Um, It's actually uh, a granting program where the Texas voters have authorized the state to spend $6 billion in state-directed cancer funding, including not only academic research and and, uh, recruitment of faculty and so forth, but also for product development uh, grants like ours. And they'll fund up to $20 million, and they'll fund actually through phase two. Uh, so it's incredible. They're the second biggest funder of cancer research in the world behind the NIH. Um, and it's, it's very competitive. Uh, they actually use panels of uh, cancer experts outside of Texas. So they go to the major cancer institutes around the world, find leading experts, and they actually do their evaluations. And they evaluated us for about six months. And then they give the awards for Texas-based companies or companies willing to move to Texas. Um, and those recommendations are based on the best possible technology options that they that, that they see. Excellent. Now, you recently presented positive data on, from the ongoing RISC-SPECT uh, clinical trials. Can you tell us a little bit about the positive data that you guys gave out? Yeah. So, uh, you know, regarding the secret grant, that's for an an indication called leptomeningeal metastases and breast cancer, uh, lung cancer, some melanoma even, oftentimes will be controlled locally, but it'll go to the fluid lining space around the brain and the spinal cord. And once it gets in there, honestly, the, the prognosis is horrible. These patients live about four to six weeks untreated. So they it's really, uh, it's really kind of an end of the road diagnosis, which is terrible. 
But uh, we actually treated the first three patients of leptomeningeal disease uh, at our at two of our key sites in Texas. And we actually showed, even at a very low dose, which is typical for trials like this, once you start out, because you want to start at a low dose, so you, you learn that it's safe and you don't hurt people. But the first three patients showed up to a 90% reduction in tumor cells in the fluid around the brain, which is incredibly unusual to see uh, a clinical response like that in patients at the very low doses. So that data was presented in Toronto at the Society for Neuro-Oncology. Uh, we have that on our website, or you can uh, go to the society site and, and see it. So we're going to continue to increase the dose until we, we get to a, a dose that's reasonable and then go into phase two. And that CPRT grant will fund the full, fully uh, fund the phase one and the phase two for that trial. So it's really important for the company and really important for our shareholders. We don't have to go and raise that capital. So the company now, with that grant and with our existing capital, I mean, we're getting close to having uh, well over two years, maybe even close to three years of, of cash in the bank. So we really don't have to go out and access the capital markets and we can focus on the knitting and, and, and the drug development. Perfect. You already answered my last question there about concerns about equity raised. There you guys have the answer. Now, yeah. one thing that I definitely think is important, of course, for the therapeutics company is we want to take a look at the pipeline, right? You've been already talking about that. Give us what we should expect in the short and long term moving forward from here. Yeah, so um, we are being very cautiously acquisitive. So we continue to look at a variety of targeted radiotherapeutics or things that could enhance the therapeutic value of, of what we have to build out our pipeline. So on one hand, we're continuing to focus and execute on getting our clinical trials enrolled, getting funding from grants and other things that are shareholder friendly, ways to raise capital, but we're also focused on building the pipeline. So um, where I mentioned our lead drug uh, for glioblastoma and leptomeningeal cancer, pediatric brain cancer. At the end of last year, we actually brought in a completely new novel next generation portfolio for something called radioembolization, where we drive a catheter literally anywhere in the body, put it just upstream of the cancer, and then we load the blood vessels with highly radioactive biomaterials that in theory will kill the cancer and then melt away and then restore blood flow. So you can go back and retreat the patient multiple times. The stuff that's on the market right now stays there permanently. So this would be a ne next generation uh, product that we initially plan to go after liver cancer. And that's an existing $1.3 billion market. And, and we hope to get that into the clinic maybe as soon as next year. So we have that going and we continue to look for things that are novel, innovative, reasonably priced. And we have a balance sheet and the team that we're able to do that diligence and, and take action when, it's, uh, when we're ready to do that. All right. Now, the last thing I'll leave is uh, a moment for you, Mark, here to address the audience out there and investors. What is something that most investors are probably missing about Plus Therapeutics that you would want them to know? You know, I think um, it it might be might be obvious, but maybe not not so much. We moved the company from a biotech hub in uh, Southern California and in, in San Diego and La Jolla, actually to move to Texas. And one of the reasons we moved to Texas is because of uh, CPRIT. We felt like we had uh, uh, technology and talent that we could take advantage of that non-dilutive funding. And uh, so we're a Texas-based company where uh, there are companies that have up to three CPRIT grants. So we have an NIH grant, a CPRIT grant, and we think we can continue to build out our pipeline based on uh, on dollars from the state of Texas. That's what it's there for. We're uh, the poster child of the companies that they like to fund. And so most people don't know, but that's an important part of our uh, non-dilutive capital raising strategy to leverage our, our, uh, our location in Texas. I like it. Um, you know, one of the things that I think we're seeing more and more uh, innovations from Texas, from Miami, different places, not just in California. So I appreciate you bringing in some innovation out there in Texas and continuing to push forward. We'll definitely have you back on as we continue to follow the story in Plus Therapeutics. Thank you, Mark. Yeah, thanks a ton. Appreciate the time. Goodbye, everyone.
All right, there you guys have it. And yes, I see you guys in the chats. Put a thumbs on up if you guys appreciate us going to Plus Therapeutics today. I thought it was definitely a great stock to get into and take a look, right? I mean, the 17.6 million uh, product development research grant is definitely going to help out a company continue moving forward. You guys saw there about concerns about equity raise. I know that you guys had a lot of questions on that. I feel he answered that. So if you didn't catch it and you just joined us, then rewind a little bit. Check that interview out. Let's go back into the headlines out there. We might be able to get a couple of these earnings reports in. All right, let's go to it here. Um, really interesting company. I mean, a lot of comments there just catching my attention. I got to do a little bit more deeper dive to myself to see if I want to invest in Plus Therapeutics. But uh, definitely for what they're doing for cancer patients out there, I wish them the best. Let's continue moving forward. Let's take a look at some of these earnings reports that were out. Cisco system was probably the most important one of the day. Let's take a look at that. That came after hours yesterday. So CS, uh, CSCO, let's go to Cisco. You can see it's continuing to push. Yesterday, I talked about going into the close. Would it fill the gap? You guys see that gap filled right there. Nice little gap fill on Cisco Systems. And this one did it right in the after hours and held the pullback. That's what I always look for. The break above the shadow and holding the pullback. It held it there at the 4850s. Continuing in the intraday action, Cisco here beating at 83 cents, beating the 82 cent estimate. Sales were at 13.10 billion, beating the 12.73 billion estimate. And Cisco sees adjusted EPS at 82 cents to 84 cents, 84 cents the estimate, where they really started to get a little bit more appreciation from investors, where when they mentioned the full year 2023 adjusted EPS at $3.49 on the low end and $3.56 on the high end, of course, the estimate here was $3.35. That's the important part there. The estimate at uh, $3.35, way below the low end that they're given here of 349. So good outlook there for Cisco moving forward into 23. Of course, this one also got some price raising and some targets raising. Credit Suisse maintained uh, to outperform on Cisco, raising the price target at 65. Barclays stepping up also maintained to overweight on Cisco, raising the price target to 56. Definitely one that you should keep on your radar. One of the earnings report that caught my attention, of course, was BJ. And I was looking for this to uh, make a nice little push after, of course, the Walmart numbers. And I think this was important to catch because Walmart gave us a little bit of insight. That's why I like looking into the earnings report. Walmart's earnings report talked about what? They talked about their wholesale Sam's Club getting the top membership that it's ever had, all-time high subs uh, subscriber membership there in Sam's, gave me the insight that we could see some upside in BJ here. BJ EPS at $1.06, beating the $0.78 cent estimate, sales at $5.1 billion, beating the $4.61 billion estimate. BJ raised full-year EPS guidance, from 325 to 350 and 360 on the high end, just like we saw in Cisco, the guidance really helping out, really helping out here. And another thing to note here is the comparable club sales increased 19.8% year over year. This is a really good comp number, as of course, we had the pandemic, right? A lot of people were buying things in 2021, still worried about COVID. You guys are seeing here. Definitely BJ's keeping up with the sales and getting the sales increasing 19.8% year over year for comparable club sales. Pretty good number there to beat. All right, we got just one last one that I'll talk, I'll sneak on in here. I did want to talk about Apple. Was it a sale? This was uh, talked about on Fast Money. So let's take a, a quick look here. Let's see if they got it right or wrong. Let's go to Apple here. Um, and how's it trading? And you can look, it's just hanging on here. We'll see if this actually comes crashing down towards the end. They called it yesterday. It looked like it held on for a while here. 
We'll see what happens in that Apple call. But uh, that, that's going to do it for me, guys. I just went a minute over time. I hope that you guys can do me the favor. Smash that thumbs on up if you guys appreciate Stock Market Movers where we get through all the headlines and expert opinions to keep you guys in the informational edge. That's really what it's all about here. We're going to keep going. We're going to bring you guys now to some roadmap action. Check out the NFT action. My man, Chris Ketchy, leading the storm. I'll see you guys on over. And hit the like before you get on out of here. I'll keep going like I always do. I'll see you guys tomorrow right here on Stock Market Movers where we cover all the headlines and get to those experts. Great day today with Brian Overby. If you guys missed that, Great options analyst. Went through so many options trades for us. That's what I love about Brian, like always. And don't forget, we had Plus Therapeutics on today. Talked about initial jobless claims. Philadelphia Fed Manufacturing Index. Will Ryan Cohen sell out of Triple B? Why? I know that's probably the biggest question on a lot of investors. And oil back up today. We'll keep watch on what happens with some of these earnings. Cisco, Coles, BJ. Uh, Canadian Solar and does Apple sell on, uh, Apple a sell on Fast Money? We'll see what happens. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Hit the like and catch me a little bit later on at the close with, of course, Joel Alconan. I'll see you guys next time. Hit the thumbs up on your way out.